Uh, so last week at uh, Kids Day Camp, Lionheart, the kids learned what it means to be lionhearted by learning the king's command. And we'll have that up on the screen for you. You can say this with me. See, see if you boys and girls can say it with me. You should remember. Be strong in the Lord and in his great power. Wear the full armor of God. And so how are we to be strong in the Lord and in his great power? We just said it. By wearing the full armor of God. We all know what armor is, right? Knights wear armors. As you can see over here, we have a little knight over there. Uh, football players in sports, they wear different pieces of armor. Armor is made for protection. And, but the armor that the, the Bible talks about is a little different. It's a spiritual armor, but it's still yet it's for our protection. Even though we can't see it with our eyes, the Bible compares it to a Roman soldier's armor of long ago. And so we're going to look at a passage of Scripture found in Ephesians that talks about this armor of God. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you do not, we'll have the verses up on the screen. I'm going to be reading in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, and then we'll continue on. I'm reading out of the NIV, okay? So here we go. It says here, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Notice verse 12. It said, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We're not here to fight against each other or people. The Bible says that we're to love one another. So we're not fighting against people, but there is an enemy to our faith and to what we believe and to our lives. Our struggle is against the, the enemy, which is the devil, and these spiritual forces of evil that are, that are out to try to, to stop us in our daily walk and in our, in, our, in our relationship with God. And so this passage continues to talk about Paul. He, he outlines six different pieces of what is called the armor of God to help us stand our ground and to keep standing when the day of evil comes. Or you could say when the struggles of life come. Anybody here face any struggles? Anybody here face any challenges? Oh, you might be, a, you might be oh, I'm a, I'm a faith person. I never, come on, you know. Faith is not denial. So we need to understand that, you know, Jesus said, he even said it, in the world you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have some trouble. But he said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So if he's overcome, we can overcome too. And this is how we overcome. In verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 6, therefore, whenever you see the word therefore, it's there for a reason. <laughs> therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. In verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So in the next few moments, I want to talk about these different pieces of the armor of God. And we'll start with the belt of truth. 
And it's no coincidence that the belt of truth is the first piece of armor mentioned here. You see, a Roman soldier would wear a belt to keep all the other armors in place. All the chest plate and everything else would keep and stay in place because of the belt of truth. You know, the truth is the Bible is truth. And it keeps our lives in place. It keeps everything together. The first thing in our life and in our walk with God is we have to know the truth. We have to know that this book, the Bible, right here, tells us everything that we need to know about this God, about this world, about our lives, and about how to get to heaven. The point is, we need to learn the truth found in God's word and put that word first place in our lives. There's a story about a wealthy man and his son that would, they would travel the world and they would collect valuable pieces of art. And they collected a, a wonderful masterpieces worth thousands and thousands of dollars. Well, after a short time, the son decided he was going to go and serve his country because a war had broken out. And so the son had left to fight in the war. And after a brief time in the war, the father got the news that his son had died, saving the life of some other soldiers. And the news was very devastating to the father. And later as time passed, he had on Christmas Day a knock at his door. And when he came to come to get to the door, he noticed the beautiful collections of masterpieces of artwork that he had and it only reminded him of his son and how he was not coming home. And when he got to the door and he opened it and there was a soldier with a package and the soldier said, I have something I want to give to you. And he took the package and the soldier told him how his son had saved his life and that the soldier had made a painting of his son. And he gave it to this man and, and he had unwrapped it and he thought it was a beautiful painting. And as the soldier went on to talk a little bit about his son, after a few times spent, he left. And the old man took that painting and brushed aside all the other masterpieces and collections and he put it right above his fireplace. And it was his most prized possession. Well, as time went on, the old man became ill and died. And all of his estate would go to auction. And people came from all over the world because they wanted to buy these masterpieces that this man had collected. And when the day came, the auctioneer was to auction off the painting of the old man's son. And so they said, can somebody please give me $100 for this painting? And the room was silent. Nobody said a thing. He said again, would somebody please give me $100 for this painting? And somebody, somebody, somebody piped up in the back and said, we don't care about that painting. Let's get on to the good stuff. And he said, no. The auctioneer said, no, I've got the, the will of the father was to sell this painting of his son first. Who will give me $100? Somebody else piped in the back. We don't care about the son. We didn't come for that. We came for these wonderful masterpieces. He said again, who will take the son? Finally, somebody said, I'll give you $10 for that painting. I was a friend of, 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 the, of the son and the father. I knew them well, and I'll give you $10. It's all I've got. So the auctioneer said, going once, going twice, and it was sold for 
And then all of a sudden the auctioneer said, that's it. The auction is now over. It's closed. And all of everybody that came were very angry. Said, what's going on here? What do you mean? What do you mean the auction's closed? What's going on? What's happening here? We demand you tell us, uh, give us an answer. And the auctioneer said, it's very simple. According to the will of the Father, whoever takes the Son gets it all. You know, that's the will of the Father today. Whoever takes the Son gets it all. And it's like the belt of truth. We must first take God's Son. It starts by accepting Jesus as our Savior. And when you have Jesus, you get it all. Jesus said He was the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said nobody comes to the Father except through Him. And Jesus said, if you want to experience life to the fullest, he said, come follow me. So by putting him first keeps our lives together with him. Putting him first helps us through the ups and downs. Let's talk about the next piece of armor, the chest plate of righteousness. Now the chest plate of righteousness was worn over to protect your heart, right? And the word righteousness simply means right, standing, or to be right with God. And you know... The chest plate protects vital organs. It protects the heart. And when we invite Jesus in our hearts, that doesn't mean little Jesus comes in in our hearts and takes his place in our heart. But we invite Jesus. His spirit comes and lives inside of us. And he comes in our hearts. And there's nothing that we can do on our own to make ourselves righteous or right with God. Whether it's good deeds, money, fame. Even if you were to give a life of service or even if you were a world record holder. Now let's imagine for a moment that you are out jogging with a guy named Mike who's the world record holder for the longest jump. When all of a sudden there's an earthquake and the ground begins to split and all of a sudden there's a canyon, there's a crevice between you and Mike are on this side and there's a crevice to get to the other side. And that crevice is very long and the only way, way you figure you've got to get out of this is you have to jump because now the earth where you're standing on is beginning to crumble. So Mike looks and he says, well, I look, it looks like it's about six inches big, uh, longer than my world record. So we, I have to jump six inches farther. So you say, okay, Mike, you can do this. All of a sudden he gets down in a three-point stance and he's ready and he jumps and he leaps and he gets all the way to the other side and his toes make it all the way. It's a, better than his world record jump. But all of a sudden as he's got to the other side, he loses his grip and he falls and he slips and Mike's a goner. And now all of a sudden it's your turn. You're getting, oh great, I gotta try to beat this. So you crouch down, you mentally prepare yourself, you huff and you puff and you jump and you kick off straight up and you go straight down and you're a goner too. You know, it didn't matter that Mike nearly made it to the other side, it simply wasn't good enough. And neither was yours, your jump either. Really, it didn't matter because neither one of you made it. And you know, righteousness or being made right with God is much the same. It doesn't matter how good you live, how many church services you attend. It doesn't matter if you're better than other people. You can't be made right on your own good deeds and on your own good works. Even the best people in the world cannot save themselves. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one is good enough on their own. We're all flawed. I thought I was perfect, but my wife reminded me that I'm not. So the good news is, though, we've been made right. We've been righteous with God through Jesus. And you can be sure that no matter how many mistakes you've made, no matter how far you walked away from God, 
God is always running and chasing after you. And this leads us to our next piece of armor, and that's the gospel shoes of peace. You know, shoes, how many came in here with no shoes on today? I didn't think nobody did, right? We all wear shoes. Shoes protect our feet from the hot pavement, from the stony ground, and from the thorns and different things that are what we walk on. But when we wear shoes, we are not going to experience anything that would be painful. But by wearing shoes, you walk around safely because your shoes protect your feet. And during the week of kids camp, Pastor Corey, our youth pastor, he threw some tacks on the ground and he said to the boys and girls, would anybody like to walk on these tacks? And nobody said, no, I wouldn't want to do it without shoes on. But he did and he had shoes on and he was protected. And that's what it means to have your gospel shoes on. It means you don't have to worry about the things that come your way. You don't have to have a care because you're wearing your gospel shoes of peace because we have peace with God. We don't have to fear. And you know what? Romans 5 verse 1 says we have peace with God through Jesus. And we wear these gospel shoes too, not only because we have the peace of God in our lives, but because we need to extend God's peace and tell others about God's peace to those that are hurting and those that are in our world and say, you know what? God's not mad with you. God's not out to get you. He loves you. He's a good God. He's full of grace and his peace has no end. You know, there was a group of soldiers during World War II that lost a friend in battle. And they wanted to give their fellow soldier a proper burial. And they found this church that, was, that had a graveyard and a, and a fence there. And they went to the priest and they asked him if their fallen friend could be buried in this graveyard. And the priest asked, well, was he Catholic? And they said, no. And he, the priest said, well, I'm sorry, but this... This gravesite is reserved for those that are of the Catholic Church. But you can bury him outside the fence. And so they said, okay, that'll be fine. And so they took their fallen friend and had buried him just outside the fence. Well, when the war finally ended, the soldiers decided to go back and visit the gravesite. And when they went back to where the place was that they had buried him, they couldn't find it. They couldn't find the tombstone. And they looked all around. And finally they went to the priest and they said, we cannot find where we buried our fallen friend. What happened? And the priest answered, after you buried your fallen friend, it just didn't seem right that he should be buried outside the fence. And so they said, did you move his grave? He said, no, I moved the fence. And that's exactly what God has done for us. We don't deserve a place inside the fence. We don't deserve a place in heaven. But God has graciously moved the fence because God's grace and peace is for us all. When Jesus was sent to the cross to die for us so that we can be included in his family forever. Romans 5 and verse 1 and 10 says, Now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and through whom we have gained access by faith. And this leads us to talk about our next piece of armor, the shield of faith. The Bible says that we are to take the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. So I have this big symbol here that's kind of like, could be like a shield. But the Bible talked about in Romans, and in, 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 uh, the Roman soldier had a shield that would actually cover from his head to his toe. And the reason why was because the enemy would do anything and everything they can to try to to get to the soldiers to kill them. But a shield would protect them. 
and they would actually wet the shield down because it was made of wood. Well, what happened was these fiery arrows would come and Pastor Aaron did an analogy. He took this symbol right here and he has this person on here and we'll get to that in a minute. But he said what he did was he took this piece of paper and he said, this is you without a shield and here's a fiery dart. Don't worry, I won't burn the place down. But you can see here, this paper will burn. But when you take the shield of faith, when the fiery arrows come, it won't get past you because you're taking the shield of faith. So it won't burn. The paper won't burn when you take the shield of faith. You know, the enemy would love nothing more to get a foothold in your life. But when we take the shield of faith, we take, when the enemy tries to hurt us with those negative lies, when those negative thoughts and temptations, these are always like fiery arrows that shoot our way. But taking the shield of faith won't let it, won't let it penetrate us. And faith, what is faith? It is simply believing what the Bible says. And faith, I believe, begins where the will of God is known. And the will of God is right here. This is his will. His word, it, that still like, smells like it's smoldering in there. No, we're okay. <laughs> I'm like, woo. So, good. You know, faith is, is God's word is his will. And faith comes by hearing, the Bible says, and hearing by the word of God. And part of God's will is that everybody should be saved. That nobody should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge and saving grace of him to know him and to know that he is God and that he is the savior of the world. And this leads us to our next piece of armor, which is the shield, or excuse me, the helmet of salvation. Now, how many here have a helmet or two, right? We all know what helmets are made for. They're made for protection. And what we did on Thursday was we took a piece of cabbage here and we said, this was your brain. Without a helmet you can be in big trouble. So if I was to take this machete, it doesn't take much to cut that in half. And that's your brain without a helmet. No protection. But when you're wearing a helmet, you are protected. And it is a very important piece of armor. So no matter how hard I hit this, don't worry, it was a garage sale helmet, so I'm okay. But I did put a big neck in it, but it's okay. So you can see here that no matter how hard I can hit it, it's still protected and it's still safe. You know, you can suffer serious injury without a helmet, but a helmet can save your life. But fortunately, you don't have to earn a helmet of salvation. You just have to receive it. Jesus did this by dying on the cross. And all you have to do is accept the fact that Jesus died for our sins. Salvation is a free gift. We don't have to outwit, outlast, outplay anybody. This is not survivor here. Jesus has given us immunity and from, from hell and from the, from the death. And that is with salvation, the helmet of salvation. So the enemy would love more than to get inside your head and tell you things, the lies and things that are not true and tell you that you're never good enough. But the helmet of salvation is for us for protection. And finally, the last piece of armor of God that is mentioned is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Bible. You know, the Bible has been given to us 
as a guidebook. I like to tell the kids the Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. You know, whenever you face challenges, you always need to ask yourself, what does God's word say about my situation? What does God's word say about my trial? Really, we just simply do what Jesus did when he faced the enemy in Matthew chapter 4. With each temptation, Jesus would say, it is written. In other words, this is what God's word says. He confessed God's word. He spoke God's word. Some of you might say, oh, I don't believe in that confession stuff. Well, then how else are you going to get saved? The Bible says with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So confession is a very important part of speaking and, and believing God's word and, and, and operating in God's truth. It's, we speak God's word. We say what God's word says about our situation. And we have to believe that this Bible, this word is truth and that it will work for us. You know, as we close, there's so many, these different pieces of the armor of God are all important and they've been given to us so that we might be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. But we must learn to do what it says. And I'd like to close with this story. I heard about this, uh, these two brothers that were arguing over the wisdom of their father. And one, one of the brothers said, My, our father is not so smart. He doesn't, he doesn't know. He's not that wise. And the other son said, yes, he is. He's, he's wise. He's smart. And we should listen to him. We should do what our father tells us to do. And the, other son, the other brother said, no, we shouldn't. We can do whatever we want. And I'll prove to you that our, my, our dad is not that smart. So the boy went out into the woods and captured a small bird in his hands. And he went to his brother and said, come on, I'm going to go show you that dad's not so smart. Our father's not so wise. So he went to this dad and said, dad, I have a question for you. I have a bird in my hand and I want you to tell me, is it dead or is it alive? And the boy knew that if the dad was to say the bird was alive, he would simply crush it in his hands and then reveal that the bird was dead. But if the father said just the opposite, then he would just open up his hands and show that the bird was alive. So the dad thought about this question and he said, son, the answer to this question is in your hands. You know, sometimes we come to our Heavenly Father with questions that are just impossible to answer. Tell me, God, what should I do with my life? Whom should I marry? Where should I live? What will the future hold? We expect God to arrange our lives and make, make everything work out perfectly and for the good and all this other stuff. And, you know, He is an all-powerful God. You know, isn't that what He's supposed to do? He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing, right? But the answer is, in all His wisdom, He created us with a free will. In effect, He says to us, my son, my daughter, the answers to some of these life's questions are in your hands. While God does know the future, and He most certainly has the power to determine it. He's given us control over our own lives. He's created us in His image and His likeness. And that is why we have the ability to choose and decide what we will do with our lives, how we will live and who we will serve. God is not a puppeteer. He's not going to pull the strings of your life and make you do what He wants and make you love Him and make you serve Him. We're not robots. Instead, He gives us the ability to decide for ourselves whether to love Him or not, whether to obey Him or not, and whether to serve Him or not, and whether to take the armor of God. 
you know that they've been given for our benefit and they'll keep us standing strong through the challenges and the struggles in life that, that come our way. And they've been given so we may be strong in His power and in His might. And if you're trying to do things on your own, that's the problem. You need to rely on His strength and His might. And that's why He's given us this armor. But again, God puts the choice in our hands when He says, take, take, put on. See, there's always a God side and a man side to every promise. He'll do His part when we do our part. But ultimately, the biggest decision, the biggest thing you can do is to take Jesus as your Lord and Savior. God provided a way by sending Him to die on the cross for the sins of all. And all we have to do is accept it and believe that it is truth. And this leads us back to the first piece of armor that we talked about, the belt of truth. You now to know the truth. Because like in our drama, it's the truth that will set you free. The truth of this word. But again, the answer is always in your hands. So as we close this morning, I'd like you to bow your heads in prayer. And if you'd like to accept Jesus as your Savior, would you wrap your heart around these words as we pray? Father God, we thank you for this time this morning that we've come. God, we thank you that you've given us this armor so that we can stand our ground, that, that we are to take this armor and, and use it for our benefit. We thank you that you've given it to help us to fight this good fight of faith. And God, if there's anybody here right now that doesn't know your son, Jesus, I ask that they would wrap their hearts around these words. Let's all pray this together. Father God, I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray, amen, amen. I believe if you prayed that prayer and you meant it with all your heart, that Jesus has now become your Savior and your Lord. So let's welcome those that are in the family that made that decision for the very first time today, huh? Amen. Awesome.